My name's Andrew and I'm a materials chemist here at the University of Oxford. When I was a kid, what I really loved was playing with Lego. The idea that you could just have these simple building blocks and build from them all sorts of complicated and crazy objects. And I guess what I like about my job is that I get to do essentially the same thing now as a materials chemist. Except instead of all of those little red and yellow and blue blocks, we've got those 90 or so elements from which we basically have to design materials from the atomic scale up. And our job is to develop an intuition of the different combinations and how those combinations are going to translate into material properties. When we take any sort of modern technology, things like a, an iPhone, for instance, we're used to thinking of these things as complicated engineering problems of taking all sorts of components and developing something that's useful and affects our daily lives. But absolutely every component within something like an iPhone has been tailor-made by materials chemists to respond in a particular way. The glass, the circuitry made from silicon on the inside, the LEDs that give us the displays that we observe. So our job really is to try and work out how we're going to design materials that keep performing better, that do things that we couldn't have otherwise imagined. Now, in the various podcasts of this series, you will have seen a number of different things that are going on right here in the Department of Chemistry, where we're looking at materials that behave in strange sorts of ways. You've seen salts that are liquid, and you've seen materials that shrink instead of expand when you heat them up. But what I wanted to talk about today was a concept that we're using more and more in our design approach. And that's the idea of using disorder to give rise to functionalities that we can't otherwise access. Now, disorder sounds like a really useless kind of thing. It sounds like the sort of thing we'd want to get rid of rather than use. And some of that idea really comes from the way that we're trained as chemists. You're probably almost sick of seeing little objects like these, different little lattices. But these are, of course, the way that we build up an intuition of what a material actually looks like. It's meant to be repeating. We get the same atoms happening over and over again. But what I'm suggesting is that we might be able to use some disorder within these structures, displacements of the atoms away from these very ordered arrangements in order to give rise to some sort of functionality. The idea that the positions of atoms might have a really crucial effect on their properties is something that's actually quite intuitive to all of us. If you take as an example diamond on the one hand and graphite on the other, there are two compounds, two materials with exactly the same chemical composition. Both are just carbon. And yet their physical properties could hardly be any more different. Graphite is soft, it'll conduct electricity, it's opaque, we can't see through it. Diamond, on the other hand, one of the hardest known substances. So not only is it much more expensive than graphite, but it's a lot harder, and we can see right through it. Those differences are not down to the composition, but rather the arrangement of atoms within the materials. The idea that the arrangement of atoms going from something ordered to something disordered would also give rise to differences in properties is not really altogether that new either. Here's a glass that is made from silicon and oxygen atoms. It has the same composition as this quartz crystal. 
And yet again, we can blow glass into these very curved shapes because there's no regular repeating structure, unlike the very regular facets that we get on this crystal of quartz. But the particular problem that I really wanted to talk about today is associated with the packing of water molecules in ice. Now, a water molecule, this is my little water molecule here, it interacts with other water molecules in a very straightforward way. These are going to interact via hydrogen bonds. We're going to get a bond going from an oxygen to a hydrogen atom over to another oxygen atom. And each individual molecule will form four of these bonds to four other water molecules. There are going to be two of these bonds that we would say are donations of hydrogen bonds, so they point in this direction. And two would be a water molecule accepting a hydrogen bond from another water molecule. There's a total of four of those bonds made. Now you can already see that it's a little bit awkward, me trying to hold up these three-dimensional models and, and get across some idea. So instead, I've had some of my students cut out some two-dimensional water molecules for me instead. And what I want to think about is the ways in which these would arrange themselves into a crystal. We're going to find that this is a system that at once supports both order and disorder, and it's the disorder that's going to be linked to the functionality, to some property of this arrangement. So I'm simply going to think about the ways in which I can arrange these in order to satisfy those rules. Each water molecule will need to form two hydrogen bonds, donate two hydrogen bonds, and accept two other hydrogen bonds. And it doesn't take long to realize that by simply tiling these water molecules in exactly the same orientation, you can in fact satisfy those local rules. And we end up with a crystal that is completely ordered. Now, each individual water molecule has associated with it a polarization, a polarity. The hydrogen end is positive, the oxygen end negative. And so we can think of this as being associated with a dipole, positive one end, negative the other. And what you'll notice about this arrangement of water molecules is that all of those dipoles are pointing in the same direction. So this ordered crystal will have a net polarization. It will interact with an electric field in a particular way. Now the neat thing about this particular system is that there's not just one way of satisfying those local rules. In fact, what I can do is take entire columns of these water molecules and I can place them in a slightly different arrangement. The oxygen atoms are still ordered, but now I have a column of hydrogen atoms that's different to the others. I'm starting to introduce disorder. This affects the orientations of those dipoles. They're no longer all pointing in the same direction, but rather some are this way and some a different way. So already we're going to affect the way that this crystal interacts with an electric field. I can go further. I can now take rows and rotate these water molecules and again end up with a new configuration that still satisfies those local rules. And now I have dipoles pointing all over the place. This system would have no overall electric dipole. It would not interact with an electric field in the same way. So what am I getting at? That by disordering those protons, we can switch the material between a state in which it will respond to an electric field and one in which it won't. 
Now, of course, this is just a cartoon. These are some cutouts my students have made. But in fact, that same problem, that idea of order and disorder within a system, is something that exists in ice itself. We know that ice looks like a crystal. We see those beautiful snowflake structures. And yet the protons are, in fact, disordered within those systems. But a particular functional material that we're looking at that has a problem very similar to this is a really exciting, very neat compound. It's made of a number of elements, including manganese, and it shows a property that's called magnetoresistance. Now, that sounds like a kind of fancy name, but it's a really cool function. Let me explain what it is. This sort of material doesn't conduct electricity. I've not made this teacup out of this manganese-containing compound, but it would conduct electricity about as poorly as this. It's, a, it's an insulator. But if something shows magnetoresistance, you can apply a magnetic field. This won't work. This is just a demonstration. But we apply a magnetic field, and we switch this compound into something that conducts electricity like a metal. And so we can tailor-make whether or not this is an insulator or a metal just in response to a magnetic field. And I think you can imagine already how you might use that sort of property in devices a bit like the iPhone I showed you before. How does this map onto the problem of these water molecules? Well, when it's insulating like this coffee cup here, we have dipoles that are pointing in lots of different directions. When we apply the magnetic field, we start to align them. We introduce order. And that ability to switch between it being a conductor and an insulator, that's a property of playing around with order and disorder. So at the end of the day, it all comes back to Lego. One thing we know for certain is that every functional material we'll ever make is going to be made up of just those 90-something elements. So the only obstacle between where we are now and all of those future technologies is our imagination in terms of the ways in which we combine those elements, the structures that we build. And so the hope with using ideas like order and disorder is that we can start to access new functionalities that we would never otherwise have thought of. And I guess that's the fun of being a materials chemist.